Hey, I'm Nick, creator of Canna Cribs and Growers Network, where we have educated millions of people on how to elevate their craft. I have toured some of the largest grow operations, befriended the best growers, and built a network of the top cannabis companies. Join me on this next adventure where I document history with the pioneers shaping the global cannabis industry in real time. Welcome to the Canna Cribs Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Canna Cribs Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Morin, and today's interview is with Garrett Leon. And that name might sound familiar because we filmed the Deep Roots episode at his company, Garden First Farms. And in this interview, Garrett teaches us his management philosophy for building a strong culture, his sales strategies for entering a new market, and a behind-the-scenes look at the Garden First expansion into the Colorado market. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for joining me today on this episode with Garrett. Before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to Key to Life for making this episode possible. If you're not familiar with them, they actually are pretty aligned with the mission of Garrett and Garden First. Key to Life is on a mission to be a front runner in the practice of organic and environmentally sustainable agriculture, horticulture, and hydroponics. Overall, they just want to encourage responsible stewardship of the planet, and it really shines through with their different fertilizers, nutrients, and more. I actually first met Tate and his team when we were filming Copper State Farms, where they were using their Silver Bullet Sulfur and their Molasses Magic. We'll talk a little bit more in the middle of the episode about how one of Garrett's business partners actually got his start in the cannabis industry with Tate. Now on with the episode. Garrett, welcome to the Cannabis Cribs Podcast. Good to see you, Nick. Can't believe it's already been a year. It's been quite a year, though. Yeah, it's been quite a year. I just checked the stats on your episode. It's just over 200,000 views since May. Um pretty impressive um tell me uh tell me a little bit about yourself uh well um i uh i grew up in in the dc area right in northern virginia um got really excited and passionate about cannabis uh early in high school and Mm kind of started to try to do my thing do a little gorilla grow in the woods got eaten by deer you know really yeah um you know reading forums online back in like you know 2007 2008 when medical was just like uh you know an idea mm-hmm. uh you know it was early pilot programs in a few states and nothing really going on and just got really excited about it and uh kind of decided right then that this is what i wanted to do um and uh i was big into skiing and big into cannabis so when it came time for college i went Moved out to Colorado, went to Colorado State, studied horticulture and soil science and did a bunch of skiing and hanging out and seeing lots of music and had a, a beautiful experience there. Got my medical card like day one moving there and was able to shop at dispensaries and once nice. I got uh, my own place was, uh, you know, immediately out of the dorms growing some medical plants in my basement and there you taking go. what I was learning in school and doing there, but uh yeah, just been kind of riding it since then. And uh, and you actually, um, you've worked at several grow operations before starting your own company. Where, where was the first grow you were at? So uh, the first grow I was at out of college was a place called Native Roots. Um, they're I've a heard of pretty, them. Yeah, pretty big company in Colorado. At this point, they probably own over 100 licenses um, between retail processing and, and, uh, and cultivation. So they were... Uh, in the middle of a, a big, um, you know, step forward, they had uh, they had a few stores and uh, I think two smaller grows going, and 
when I started working for them, they were building out a quarter million square foot indoor facility mm-hmm. that was about 30% built out when I started. Um, so that was just, you know, an amazing experience. Uh, you know, my, me and the team I was working on ran two 200 light flower rooms. Wow. And there were several other teams doing, you know, the same thing. Um, one of our rooms, we were doing tissue culture trials. It was really interesting to learn a lot about that. Got to learn all about compliance and, you know, how this works, you know, outside of a basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was a really, really uh, eye-opening learning experience for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was there for a little while and kind of just, like, saw my ceiling um, mm-hmm. holding me in and wanted to you know, do something where I had a little more control over things. So I took a job down in Colorado Springs after that, working for Colorado Springs is interesting. They are still, the whole city of Colorado Springs is still only medical, even though Colorado recreational in 2014. So they've just been kind of fighting that and and they want to keep it medical. The powers that be, whoever's, somebody's making money, I would imagine, um, keeping it medical. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so uh, the only way you can you can grow uh, under a regulatory system there is medical. Mm-hmm. So I moved down there and ran 12,000 square foot facility for uh, this company, Tweedleaf. They had two shops in town. Okay. Um, so you were the head grower over there? I was the head grower over there, head of all of it, grow, post-harvest, all of it. I was wow. 22 years old. Rush in the game. Got thrown in and it was, you know... That was where I really learned a whole lot of other skills beyond cultivation with mm-hmm. just, you know, how to build a team, how to manage people, how to motivate people, mm-hmm. um, how to build, you know, build out a real cultivation schedule and an IPM program to everything. You know, I built it all from the bottom up. Wow. They had uh, they had just moved into the building that we were in like a month or two before I had gotten there. They had bought the license from somebody else. So mm-hmm. I kind of had an empty canvas to, uh, to work with there. And that was... Again, really great educating experience. Um, super grateful to have had that opportunity. Uh, but, uh, you know, within six or eight months of being there, I was like, well, if I can do this, I could do this myself. Get that entrepreneurial um, itch. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always been, you know, the, the hustle lives inside my blood. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was when I was at uh, sleepaway camp when I was a kid, I would like, you know, sneak in sodas and candy and, you know, sell them to the other campers <laughs> and stuff, you know. Uh, being a head grower was great. Working cultivation is great, but like mm-hmm. you know, the hustle is is what really keeps me going. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, yeah. I had been chatting with a childhood friend who had also moved to Colorado and also gotten into the industry, and um, you know, he had access to uh, to some capital to invest, and we pulled together some other capital and started to put together a business plan. Pulled together mm-hmm. a third partner, a friend of mine. Um out in Colorado that was working in the uh, similar sector to you guys in the nutrient sector um, for Keto Life, Darren. Mm. Um, I've worked with Keto Life before. I think at Copper State Farms, that was the first time we got connected with them. Nice. Yeah, we still use their products. They're a great company. Um, They're, you know, uh, it's a bunch of micronized organics. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, organic powders that you can actually run through a drip system which is super great when you're running a mixed system like ours where you want to run salts and organics yeah um but uh yeah you know just kind of like pretty quickly you know within within two years of graduating college i was moving out to oregon and and starting my own business so it was a pretty rapid progression through the industry and i was just 
eaten up all the knowledge I could mm-hmm. along the way. Yeah. So let's go all the way back to the very beginning of when you decided to grow cannabis. So it sounded like there was a little bit of a, a forest grow. You said some, yeah. some deers came by and had yeah. a nice little lunch. So what were the forums that you were using? How did you start your first grow? Uh, so, I mean, I was on, you know, Grass City forums okay. and, you know, IG and everyone does it for like, you know, I was just all over. Um, yeah. I was I was watching YouTube videos, not quite as well produced as your guys <laughs> is about, you know, uh, Jorge Cervantes yeah. and, you know, like um, uh, BC Bubble Man and, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys that are still still killing the game and. They paved um, the way for all of us. They really did, you know. Yeah. And I mean, he's got those new ice extractors that look really cool. Um, the the big stainless steel mm-hmm. industrial water hash. To see that now after, you know, 10 years ago watching the videos about how to use a, a wooden paddle and, you know, all that. So, yeah, I don't know. I was just hooked immediately uh, yeah. to all of it. Um, what was your you favorite know, part of uh, cultivation, like, in the beginning? Like, what, what still fuels you today? Um... I mean, cannabis is just so interesting because it grows so fast mm-hmm. and every single different kind is so different and so noticeably different. And, you know, um, I, I did a, a lot of landscaping when I was in high school too. Right. Um, and, you know, something about working with something where you can see the physical results, mm. you know, that really like worked with my ADHD brain of like, you know, I could see fast results. I could, uh-huh. you know, see my progress with something. I could do something with my hands and get that energy out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I love smoking weed and, you know, it was like, you know, I, I grow a lot of my own food too. Like I just, I doing stuff for myself and, you know, being a part of the process of the stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it that makes me happy in my life is you know that that gets me off so yeah well you have a special relationship with the plant but also uh, while i was out there i realized that you really are into the kind of the diy movement right there's a lot of things that your farm that you guys um, do by yourself you don't rely on outside parties to help you with Um, and i think that really fuels your success um, from, you know, uh, all the way from native roots, um, you said tweed leaf as well. And now at garden first, um, you just keep compounding and yeah. we're both young, right? And, and this industry has so much more time for us to both evolve and, you know, develop our craft. So good on you and, and your team, um, for really, uh, having that relationship with the plants, very special and, uh, continuing to elevate your craft. I love it. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, you know, our team is really, really important to us too. Not only my business partners who, you know, I couldn't have gotten here without, you know, mm-hmm. I'm good at what I do, but I'm not good at what they do. So, well, um, teach me about your team dynamic. So, um, walk me through maybe your day-to-day operations and, uh, you know, Andre is Andre and Darren, right? Yeah, it's Dre. Um, his Dre. name's Andre, okay. so he goes by Dre. Okay. Um, and then Darren. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's evolved so much um, over these last three years mm-hmm. since we, we we signed our lease just about three years ago and got this wow. thing going. And September of 17 was the first day that, you know, we started, you know, mm-hmm. we signed our life away and, you know, <laughs> owed a half million dollars to a, a, a landlord in, in mm-hmm. Oregon where we didn't even live yet. Um, but, 
you know, we do, we do a meeting every every 90 days where we have a document. It's a live document that we've, you know, changed over time. That's, you know, these are our roles and responsibilities. Um, and, you know, we do that not only for the three of us, but for all our employees. So, you know, I mean, right now, things are very different than they were six months ago and very different than they were when you guys came out. You know, so when you guys came out and did that video, I think we had eight employees um, at that point. We had, j we had had like six employees two months earlier you know at that point i was going out and doing sales drops several days a week mm -hmm. i was also doing all of our metric and compliance work i was also still working in the garden a solid 15 20 hours a week um you know i was i was still trimming sometimes when we were short on a harvest many Darren, months, man yep Darren is like the finance administrative HR, you mm -hmm. know, person. So, um, you know, back then he was doing like everything on QuickBooks. He was doing, you know, like a lot of my assisting me in the sales side with invoicing mm -hmm. and with some of the back ends part of things. Um, and uh, we kind of shared a lot of HR responsibilities with hiring and reviews and all that. And then uh, Dre's... Uh, job was to he was basically still head grower at that point um mm. and he's he was running the instagram on top of that and he was you know like he had welts you know his knees were the size of freaking you know tennis balls sticking out because he was on his knees you know mm. watering stuff and doing this and doing that because we you know like you said we were diy we bootstrapped everything from yep. the start you know we didn't have super we didn't have anything that made things easier back then um, but, you know, fast forward a year, mm -hmm. uh, Dre actually lives in Colorado now. Um, he okay. pretty much runs the Instagram, comes out and visits every six or eight weeks, works on some projects, you know, replaces mm -hmm. some filters, adds these new holes, hangs these shelves. You know, he, he has a call with our head grower weekly to kind of check in. Mm -hmm. And we're actually working on getting a, a second facility in Colorado going right now. So really? he's working on a business plan with... Uh, with one of our buddies out there and that's kind of the next move so you know is it he, garden first brand and, and it will everything? be garden first yeah. all that yeah you know wow different you know ownership structures and lawyers and cpas mm. will deal with all that part but uh yeah it will be um you know it'll be another garden first in okay in congratulations yeah man we're, that, we're that's huge super super excited about that i mean it's a logical next step for us we all mm -hmm. lived in colorado before this for years our, our network there for people that, you know, we can bring in mm -hmm. to run the facility, to do the sales, to reach out to people that we already know that run shops. Like, you know, I mean, it, it just feels very natural and easy right. to do. Um, and that's kind of where we want to focus anyways. It's like we like these new states that are coming on that Oklahoma. are like limited, limited license pay to play. Like that's not really what we're interested mm. in. Like, yeah, Oklahoma, Michigan. Colorado, maybe Montana, if it actually doesn't get shot down by the governing, but like all these ones that are going to be like lower barrier to entry states, more competition, but like, that's what we want. Like we want to be a small, small okay. mid-sized company in all these states. And like with our yields and with our efficiency and with mm -hmm. our, you know, culture, we're able, we're able to create and communicate to our customers, like be able to make an impact in all those markets without being like, you know, a big, you know, brand that grows you know a hundred thousand pounds right yeah. what what's the colorado market like for a, a pre-existing grow operation such as garden first to, to enter what does that look like so we 
Colorado still allows people to apply for licenses, okay. but most cities and counties have a cap on, you know, more licenses. Mm. So uh, it's going to be us buying out an existing operation in the Denver Boulder area, um, and that's going to cost a pretty penny. Um, so you're taking over their facility, their we'll retail network. And we'll be, you know, I don't know about their retail network necessarily. It depends on how turnkey the operation mm. is that we end up finding. We have to kind of like finish the the pitch deck and raise the capital, have that all sitting mm. in escrow ready to go before we mm. make a move on something. But we've kind of put out feelers and taken a couple tours of places and have an idea of the price range, you know, okay. we're looking at and what these facilities are going to look like. Yeah. So we'll, it'll be like another, you know, it'll be a three month, three, four month uh, rebuild process to get the facility looking like the way we want it to look because mm-hmm. um, that's one of our biggest things is like w- we want to do things right and we want to do things our way yeah. and if something's going to have our name on it we want it to be like everything from the room design and the lights and the feeds to like the culture in the facility and you know the bags that you know are stuff is you know yeah. packaged in before it's sold and like everything You're dedicated to quality i mean we want it to be to consistent exactly yeah um so we don't want to you know take over some turnkey facility and half asset you know mm-hmm. with what we're given um you know we want to take it so we have a building and a license and mm-hmm. make it ours yeah um, and are you when you acquire that company or that license uh, do you kind of take over the, the people that are already working there as well? Or do you have to go and, and build your team from the ground up again? Yeah, I mean, so like I said, it's really just going to depend on what that facility looks like. If it's an operating okay. facility um, that's like currently going, like we will definitely, you know, interview everybody that works mm-hmm. there in, already to see if right. they're, you know, a good fit for the team. Um, but we've got two guys that, you know, were actually, you know, the folks that helped us get all of our strains out here in the mm-hmm. beginning um and uh you know they're based in I mean, colorado they, they, yeah they, okay. they they work for uh some other licensed facilities right now and i mean they've they've been good friends and allies and you know i mean they gave us our entire genetic library that's wow. you know made us successful and didn't ask anything other than you know just for us to you know do a, do the best we can with it mm-hmm. um so we want to give them the opportunity to be equity holders and, mm. you know, managers of the cultivation facility for us over there. I love um, that part of this industry, man. I mean, you yeah. can work with someone and then, you know, even if it's one interaction, you know, starting genetics, but you know, four or five years later, you end up uh, working together in, in the same company. Um, I think that's very special. Um, yeah. and something that I've noticed in the cannabis industry is how welcoming people are. Um, but also partnerships and collaboration. Um, everyone wants to see each other succeed, at least the majority of people I've interacted yeah. with. No, and I mean, that's, that's you know, back to like our roles, like that's mm-hmm. become really my main job role at this point is just, um, is just all of our relationships, all of our yeah. relationships with the people that work for us, all of our relationships with our customers, all of our mm-hmm. relationships with the you know, people in the community that we're doing, you know, fundraising for all of our relationships with, you know, potential consulting opportunities or, you know, people that we're bringing in on, you know, a new Colorado opportunity or with our investors. So, um, yeah, I mean, my, my role has evolved into basically like all bird's eye, big Mm. picture, um, 
just, you know, just interfacing with people. So I have, you know, I I meet with my managers every two weeks and go over their progress and revamp their roles and responsibilities. And I still go spend a day a week um, working in the garden um, because, you know, I just don't feel like for one, it's my favorite. You know, it's it's awesome. Working working in a garden for eight hours a week is great. Um, And, you know, I get to have that that time with my team and actually working Mm -hmm. on on stuff in the facility with them. but yeah, I mean, other than other than that, you know, I, I we've got a guy that does the bulk of our deliveries now. Uh, so I go see my customers in person every mm-hmm. every so often. But mostly I just follow up with them on the phone and shoot the shit and hang out. I mean, we, we've dialed our the amount of customers we work with down by like 80 percent over the last year and just built out their shelf with more with a larger selection of our menu to mm-hmm. the point where like I work with like a dozen people and like we've been working together for two years and you know, like we hang out. And you out. can still do the same, if not more business with that oh, 20% yeah. of your top customer base. Exactly. Because we've got more strains, we've got more mm. product lines now with our pre-rolls and we've just built out their shelves and built out our brand recognition with their customer base so much mm. that like, yeah, it's, it's two pounds of everything, every harvest for each of them, you know, and you know, like two of them are chains. So they have, we got multiple stores that we're all, you know, shooting that out through. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. I just get to, you know, it, it, it's very simple and straightforward. There's there's mm-hmm. a lot of trust. Um, you know, we can talk real about stuff. If something's not working, we can, mm-hmm. you know, we can, if a strain's not working here, we can move the price around here. If, you know, like everyone feels comfortable being honest and transparent with what's going right. on. And um, yeah. I actually just got back um, from filming Grow Sciences in, in Phoenix, Arizona. Have you heard of them? I haven't. No, so they're a pretty uh, pretty good facility, and nice. actually they just went through, I think probably over the last year, a very similar process where they went and kind of limited down their retail partners, but increased the sell-through um, for that top 20% you're talking about, stronger relationships, and then you know the drop-offs with their, their customer or their patients that go through, because we're still a medical market. Um, it's, you know, it's a good business practice. You're limiting the amount of time with kind of spreading too thin, um, and really, you know, developing super strong relationships with those vendors that, um, you can get, you know, maybe special pricing or special deals. Uh, I think it's a great philosophy. You're doing it right. Yeah. And that's, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about like, that's why we want to enter these more competitive markets and just do more small grows because we feel like that's where we thrive is just like, let's grow some really good product. You know, we have efficiencies enough where we can be flexible in pricing, you know, like we don't need $1,800 a pound to survive. Well, you you found your market equilibrium, right? Like you have the, the network with these dispensaries and you have your output down, um, why spread too thin? I mean, I, I really agree with you in, in expanding to Colorado market. Um, that seems like a pretty good move. So we're going to take our, our first break. Um, and when we get back, we're going to talk about your philosophy for managing people. I'm really interested in learning more. Cool. Sweet. Key to Life Supply believes in sustainability first. And that's not just a buzzword. Tate and his team eat, sleep, and breathe this statement. He provides organic powders over synthetic liquid-based nutrients because he wants to provide a better environment for his children and for all the grow operations around the world that want to choose a safer fertilizer and nutrient for their grow operation and also something that can help with the bottom line. 
According to Tate, depending on which line you go with, some of his fertilizers and nutrients can save you upwards of 15 times what you might be spending on a synthetic liquid-based nutrient program. They have a third-party certification from the California Certified Organic Farmers, which is one of the oldest organic certificates you can get in the United States. Their solutions are water-soluble, high-purity, highly potent, commercially scalable, and cost-effective. I found it pretty interesting that Tate does not believe, as a nutrient and fertilizer company, in providing base nutrients. On the contrary, he actually takes more of a complementary amendment approach. So whatever type of nutrient fertilizer regimen you're running, you can use Ketolife fertilizers and nutrients as an organic supplement to whatever you run. You can learn more at ketolifesupply.com. So we are back from our first break, and I want to learn more about your philosophy for management. Can you teach me the, the Garrett uh, you know, garden first philosophy? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, managing people is, you know, the most important part of running any business, honestly, you know, after the garden, obviously, but you know, the, the people are, who, who's there taking care of it. The people mm-hmm. who are there, they're trimming it and making sure that, you know, they're quality checking everything that goes out. And, um, you know, after working at plenty of other places in the cannabis industry and in other industries, uh, all three of us, you know, myself and my business partners, uh, all kind of experienced similar things in one way, shape, or form with just not necessarily feeling heard, not mm. feeling super appreciated all the time, not feeling like uh, they, you know, were, you know, a, a part of something that was moving something forward, you know, like right. that so that is like the biggest thing that we tried to create. We built this whole like 10 commandments before we even, you know, signed a lease of like, this is the philosophy we want to stick to. Mm -hmm. Um, and like the culture we want to create in our facility. And it's really all about just like, you know, it's the way we all carry ourselves in our lives. And we wanted to bring that to the workplace and, you know, find people that, you know, aligned with that. Uh, and it's all just about like honesty and transparency and open lines of communication and following mm. through with things. Um, accountability, you know, accountability, yeah. um, not cutting corners, being, you know, a paycheck maker, not a paycheck taker. Mm. And, you know, our big thing was like, you know, if you have people doing this, the output you get is so much greater if you have that greater output, you can afford to pay these people a lot more. Hmm. Um, but to get that output, you know, like I, f- I feel like in a lot of companies, you have to get to that output before you get that pay. You know, right. for us, we wanted to create create a place where like we said baseline, you know, good pay, baseline benefits, a baseline level of appreciation you know we have we buy them uh lunches as a family meal every other week our minimum wage is 15 dollars an hour we have incentive structures for bonuses Mm -hmm. for every single job in the facility um and you know we have regular one-on-one meetings with each of our managers Mm -hmm. we have our managers have meetings 
set them up having a meeting with each other every single morning at 8 a.m. So they all know what each other are doing. When mm -hmm. we hire a new person, we give them this entire pitch of who we are and what our company is about in the first phone call interview. Um, and if and, they don't subscribe to that ethos, then those 10 principles, right? And they're probably not going to be a good fit. Exactly. And it's very clear. So, you know, when we hire people, we do a one week working interview. So we say mm. we're hiring you, but you're not really hired till the end of this week. This like is a probationary period. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And it's very clear, you know, um, who's got the attitude and who doesn't, yeah. you know, sometimes you invest in people that have the attitude and then they don't necessarily have the aptitude in the long run. You know, mm -hmm. there are certain there are certain benchmarks with productivity, especially on the trim table, that just like need to happen. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, w we hire mostly based on personality, and we're willing to invest that time and energy into you know getting that person where they need to be if they have the right attitude. Um, so, so let's say everyone that comes in, or anyone that comes in, they subscribe to the ethos, they align with your team and and your values. Um, how do you grow that culture with them to continue to build their career, the Garden First brand? And, you know, how, how does – walk me through kind of like culture 101. How do you build it? How do you grow it? So, I mean, one of the things is just like the way we carry ourselves in the facility and interact with everybody. You know, mm -hmm. like we're coming in, we're checking in with people on a daily basis. We all try to have a really good time and work really hard and lead by example. So, okay. you know, when we're in the building – we're, we're there early, we're leaving late. Um, you know, when we try to have regular meetings with everybody so that there is immediately an, like we are creating an open line of communication mm. and reiterating in those meetings that if you have anything to let us know in between now and our next meeting, please let us know. So we're yeah. constantly checking in not only with our managers, but also with our employees. We have a meeting with every single staff member one on one every 60 days. Um, and a staff meeting with everybody every 30 days. And uh, when I go to the facility, I mean, like I was saying earlier, at this point, like none of none of my role is, uh, you know, urgent, essential to the day to day of keeping the operation going. So when I go down to the facility, I'm sitting in the pre-roll room for an hour and mm -hmm. hanging out with people in there and shooting the shit and talking about what's going on in their lives and talking about what um, you know, what they see we could be better. Is there any, to any tools, anything, anything we can do to make your job easier? So it's constantly like us reaching out and saying, what can we do to make your life easier? What can we do to make your job better? You know, let us know how, how we can, <coughs> you know, make this a better place for you to work. Yeah. Um, that's and, a, that's a really yeah. good balance of working on the business and in the business, which I yeah. know, you know, your roles have evolved over time, as you put it. Uh, but that's so key to be able to, you know, uh, go into the, the entry level roles and learn from them. There's so yep. much that you can gain and, and bring up to the, the management of your company that way that things oftentimes um, could be overlooked. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, we want like we want somebody that started 30 days ago and trims weed every day to you know feel comfortable you know having a conversation with anybody else in the building so another thing we do is after the first 30 days we do a secondary orientation mm. where we have every new employee shadow every other manager in the building for a half hour just to learn about their role and what they do on a day-to-day -day basis and just get to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation so wow. everybody 
gets to kind of see the bigger picture and all the moving parts and um and get to have a personal connection with everybody in the building and that just builds respect and respect builds on respect you know um so you know that's that's something we really really try to instill in everybody is just mutual respect for what everyone's doing and really focusing on just doing the best you can at your role and you know maintaining your passion um because you know everyone's gonna have a tough time from time to time and you know it's it's the it's the team's responsibility to lift each other up Mm -hmm. um so that morale yeah exactly so I, I've definitely heard some horror stories uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, I guess HR in the cannabis industry, and I'm sure you have as well. Um, what do you think other operations are uh, doing wrong when it comes to, you know, building a culture? And um, what do you think that, uh, you know, other companies can uh, learn from Garden First? Well, I mean, you know, I think one of the biggest companies, biggest mistakes a lot of companies make probably not just in cannabis is just growing too fast Mm. and getting greedy you know it like you look at you live too much in a spreadsheet and get detached from you know how an operation actually works Mm -hmm. and what a person's day-to-day is um and it's really easy to say oh yeah we we're totally ready to double because this makes financial sense because you know cogs and you know economies of scale and it's like okay great but like you know like what's your roadmap to get there like how many people are you going to need like you know are you taking into account the fact that like while you're training these new people your current people are going to be less efficient because they're spending their time training like what Mm. are those protocols look like you know like how involved are you going to be how you know and just like i think the biggest thing that I've learned that all of us have learned in this is just to have more patience and put more intention in everything that we do. Mm. Um, you know, so good advice taking our, taking your time with everything and being very intentional with every move you make. Um, because, uh, yeah, I mean, if you don't take the time to, you know, get to know your people, if you don't take the time to, you know, explain to them, the bigger picture that's going on in your mm-hmm. head, you know, like you can't assume that, you know, every person you bring in to work in your facility is going to be thinking about what you're thinking about, you know, the, the vision, two-year, five-year growth and the vision. Yeah. And, you know, that can lead to issues if a, they maybe they don't think you're working hard enough because they don't see you mm-hmm. around the facility, you know? Right. So like for me specifically, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I moved to Portland recently uh, we have a distribution facility up here, so okay. I'm not at my grow every day anymore. Um, and you know, I work from home a lot uh, because a lot of the stuff I do is is just stuff like this at this point. Good um, timing. And, and, yep, and yeah, it did it. It timed out nicely. Um, and you know, we've got a place to do deliveries out of up here where mm. everything is stored. So you know, if I didn't go out of my way to sit down on the trim table for a half hour and trim mm-hmm. a little bit and tell everybody, yo, everyone's fucking super stoked about this new grease monkey that we trimmed last harvest. This is the feedback I'm getting from our customers. This is the game plan I have for our new cutting strategy going into 2021. I'm super excited about it. Go into the pre room and say, look, we're at 20,000 a month right now. I want to be at 75 by the end of the summer. Here's my roadmap to get there. We're going to open up this account, this account, this account, you know, 
And like, so I share, you know, the, what I was telling you about earlier with uh, the research we're doing into the reforestation mm. project and how we can give a percentage of profits to that and become a 1% for the planet. Like as all these ideas are percolating in my head, mm-hmm. I'm sharing those ideas with everybody uh, on the team, not only to let them know, but to get feedback from them and see if they have any ideas. And, you know, like that right there goes so far you know, because there was a time when we couldn't afford to pay $15 an hour and give everybody health insurance and give everybody bonuses when we were starting out as a company. And, you know, uh, cause we were working 80 hours a week for $4 an hour. Um, but, uh, you know, we were able to have that culture still survive based on the fact that like, they felt like it was theirs. Right. They were in the loop with everything that was going on. Their feedback and input was being heard and was, you know, a part of the evolution of the company. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's what fuels people's passion and fuels people's drive and, you know, makes people, you know, want to be a diehard lifelong, you know, employee. They feel like they're a part of something and they're growing yeah. something. And, and you're allowing that feedback loop to, you know, go back to them as far as feedback from your retailers, you know, uh, consumers. I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree with you there. Uh, One thing that I see a lot, um, whether it's Instagram comments, YouTube comments um, for both Growers Network and and Cannon Cribs is how do I get in the cannabis industry, whether it's entry level or a senior position at a grow, uh, you name it. So I'd love to hear your advice for everyone out there. Maybe let's just start on the entry level side. You know, what's your advice for someone that uh, really wants to get into the cannabis industry and, um, you know, have their career uh, trajectory, um, you know, follow along our success and uh, grow grow in the industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, number one, just, you know, plan on working twice as hard as you ever have at anything mm-hmm. ever before in your life. Um, because, you know, if you do that uh, and you, you know, you might not find the right place right off the bat. But if Mm -hmm. you do that uh, and you prove yourself to the right people, you will advance. You know, there's so much opportunity in this industry and um, there's there's so much opportunity now that wasn't wasn't here five years ago for people that don't necessarily want to just work in a grow or run a grow, you know, for people that want to just be involved in this industry and maybe have SEO experience or uh, you know, accounting experience or something like that, you know, like think about the other things besides the dream job of being a head grower, um, and think, okay, like, you know, how could I be involved with a company and, and bring my skill set or a skill set to them? You know, I mean, like so many companies, accounting departments are an absolute mess. You yeah, know, I know this from first-hand experience dealing with a lot, a lot of retail major, stuff. Major component, right? It's huge. It's huge. You can't pay your bills or can't get pay your paid bills on time, time and be organ. You know, be payroll. organized. Like, payroll management, compliance management, like all this back-end stuff. That's not like, sexy, but it's not it's sexy, a but it's the sauce of any business. It's yeah. the sauce of any successful oh. company. Um, so, you know, exploring maybe like some alternative routes, you know, other than just like, I want to work in a grow. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you do want to work in a grow, just, you know, that's awesome too. And plan on working your ass off and, Mm -hmm. uh, um, and yeah, I mean, you'll probably have to start on a trim table. You know I mean? My business partner, Andreas with, with a college degree started on a trim table, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's, 
that's just how it is. I mean, I had a degree in horticulture and soil science, and I started for $12 an hour scrubbing tables and filling pots with soil for, you know, like, you know, you're going to have to eat a little bit of shit for a little while, most likely, to get where you want to be. I appreciate you uh, making that apparent because a lot of people that I've seen, um, there's not a whole lot of transparency when you, you know, there's this glitz and glamour of the cannabis industry and then you get into a trim room and your hands hurt because you're trimming, yeah. you know, 10, 12 hour days. Um, I'd rather people know the reality of it yeah. and understand that it's a stepping stone. And and also, Garrett, one, one of my favorite parts about your Deep Roots episode, um, and Cameron even brought it up, but a lot of the entry level positions at Garden First, you try them out in, on a trim table. And then you try them, you know, uh, in one of your, you know, veg or flower rooms. So you work them through different stations to really figure out what they're most passionate about. Um, and that's not the case with a lot of grow operations that I've visited. No, I will say that that's definitely something that I think a lot of companies make um, make a mistake doing. And it's hard to do as you grow to not yeah. pigeonhole people. But, you know, we try to, I mean, at this point, we've grown a lot since, since our uh, our video last year where we have 16 full-time employees. Um, you doubled. Yes. Wow. So Congrats. actually 17, 17 now with our, with our, uh, our administrator up, a, mm-hmm. up here in Portland. Um, so, I mean, there are people that spend most of their time trimming and that's just the way it is because there's a lot of weed to trim and it needs to be trimmed, you know, but we do our best to at least once a week, they're doing something else in the building. They are pruning mm. plants. They are doing a transplant. They are, you know, even if it's freaking cleaning the facility, like mm-hmm. or helping with like helping with pre rolls, different or perspective, right? You see, doing the something in a else exactly, um, and you know, just break the monotony a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, like the the fact of the matter is, like most job roles that exist in the cannabis industry are going to be monotonous, you know, hard you know like it's agriculture super glamorous yeah i mean like i have four through three full-time people and one part-time person running our garden and the rest of those employees are doing everything else Mm. you know so like we have a full-time person that's an uh an inventory manager uh and um i mean you know He's a float. He, he floats, you know, he, he helps with the prunes. He helps with harvest day, you know, he's in charge of the harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes, but yeah, I mean, he takes all the trim stuff and bags that tags that keeps it organized. He makes sure the environment and the drying and cure room is on point. You know, he makes sure all the transfers that go up to Portland are on point. He used to be a chef, great job role transition for a chef. You know, tagging mm. everything with the dates, keeping everything super organized. Meticulous, you know, detail If you're oriented. meticulous and OCD and detail-oriented, you know, maybe pursue a inventory management and compliance career yeah. in the cannabis industry. That's definitely industry, me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, like, just an idea. Yeah, like, we're 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 a 17-person company, 20 with, with the three of us included, and only mm-hmm. three and a half of those people are really working in the grow full-time. Well, um, but that know. also says a lot about your automation, your SOPs. You have it dialed in because your facility is not small, right? That's a that's a big facility to run, and, and now you're expanding into yep. Colorado, and I'm sure you'll have a, a similar team set up and structure. Um, so kudos to you. You have it dialed in. Yep, we definitely. I mean, the goal is for nobody to be wasting time. 
Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's our biggest thing. Efficiency. Is, yeah, you know, like we're happy to to pay people well and pay people overtime and cover full health insurance and mm. you know buy fun stuff for everybody and give everybody a bunch of used to be free weed until the the OLCC told us we were giving away too much free weed and <laughs> now it's very 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 discounted weed through a local <laughs> store that we have a partnership with there you go um but yeah like all those things work if everyone's going to show up to work and work you know yeah. and so we but like you know we've put that burden on ourselves to where we make it really easy for them to fill their gaps. We have sheets for the growers. You've got a gap between this feed and this feed. Here's 12 things you can do, you know, to move us forward um, at all times. Um, Well, you're, you're hiring both entry level, but also some advanced positions for this new Colorado operation. I'm assuming uh, yep. Where do you go, Garrett? Do you guys hire kind of like a staffing recruiting firm or personal network combo of both? What what does that look like? I'd, I I use Indeed, honestly. Oh, uh, interesting. I used to use Craigslist. Okay. I've switched to Indeed. It's, uh, you know, it's a podcast, so let's do an Indeed advertisement, right? They, they always do that. <laughs> Uh, it's really streamlined. It's really straightforward. All the way the resumes all come in, I can check people and be like, nope, 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 nope. I can set certain criteria that they yeah. have to meet. They have to, you know, attach their license card and all that. And I just go through and I make phone calls and, you know, I do a baseline gauge of mm. the people over the phone. Most of those people end up coming in for working interviews and right. then we do a working interview, see who fits. You know, we just went through a really big hiring round. We actually had like a big chunk of turnover, mm. um, right? Uh, COVID we, related turnover or market dynamics? It was, or? you know, we postponed a lot of turnover because of COVID. Okay. Co- COVID hit and we just like didn't want to let anybody go. The idea of hiring sounded like a fucking nightmare. Um, you know, like we were still getting used to wearing masks. Mm hmm. Um, and we had just hired a lot of new people on very recently, you know, so we had just finished our expansion and hired like eight new people on, um, expansion to, to the Colorado facility or within our facility. So when you guys had come out, we were just, we had finished up the rooms themselves. We hadn't Uh actually put all of the new rooms online. So we were, we were rolling into that. And then, you know, obviously as the cycle goes, we had hired some people for the growth side of things, but December, was really when the post-harvest side of all that extra work started to happen. So we did a big hiring round in December, January, mm-hmm. and uh, we had several reasons for a toner- turnover. Uh, one guy had health issues. He threw out his back. He's on disability now, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you know, and then a couple people just, you know, lack of respect, not showing up on time, you know, missing missing days, no call, yeah. no shows, like – you know, natural loads natural business yeah some people that were just like not hitting the necessary production numbers yeah. it's like when you got one guy hit trimming 1300 grams a day and someone next to him is trimming 400 like that spot shouldn't be filled with somebody trimming 400 grams a day mm-hmm. um you know and we, we we try to give everybody that has the right attitude at least three months to like figure it out you know like we're not gonna be like oh you know, you're, you're too slow. It's been right. three days, you know, sorry, good luck. You know, like we, we really try to 
invest in them and spend the time with them. Our trim manager will sit down with them and do little tutorials for 10 minutes, show them little tricks and tips and all that. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Um, so anyways, yeah, we had a big round of turnover and we were pretty much hiring for like two months straight mm-hmm. because it's crazy in the cannabis industry how many people I'll have a phone interview with, set up a working interview with, and then, and then they won't, no call, no show to yeah. an interview, you know? Or we'll start and then flake out. Or, you know, like, so like, it's a process. I'd say I, I have a phone interview with 10 people for every one person I hire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just use Indeed. And that's kind of going to be the plan in that's Colorado impressive. too. We've got the yeah. core team, um, you know, kind of picked out. We know who we want to be our, our cultivation managers. We know who's going to be our main administrator and finance person. Um, we know who's going to be our head of sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to, you know, just work with them to build out the team underneath them. So we're going to take another quick break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about the evolution of your sales cycle and the strategies that you have in place. When we were out there filming the Deep Roots episode with Garrett and his entire team at Garden First, we really picked up on the road warrior mentality. Both Garrett and his business partner, Darren Cloud, would go dispensary to dispensary, picking up new clients to sell their product. And it didn't happen overnight. But what I recently found out was that Darren actually got his start with Tate at Key to Life. And they would go preaching the sustainability mission to anyone that would listen. At one point, Tate shared with me, they hit three to four states in three to four weeks in a row. They would literally come home for one day, swap out their clothes, and get back out on the road. And believe it or not, they once hit 27 hydro stores in one day in Northern California. Pretty impressive, but it all makes sense. When you're super passionate, whether it's preaching sustainability or organic flour, that's what fuels you. That's what keeps you going. So I just wanted to share that little bit of a background story. I thought that was super fun and just goes to show how tight knit and connected the cannabis industry really is. Now back to the episode. So we are back from our break and Garrett, I really want you to teach me about the evolution of your sales cycle. So you used to be a road warrior when we were out there filming and now you have a distribution center, uh, maybe you're on the road less. Can you uh, teach me about that? Yeah. So, I mean, when we came into the market, it was a very different time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Oregon's cannabis market basically crashed to epic proportions and it, I mean, it impacted the entire country's cannabis market for yeah. about a year and a half. So, I mean, when we came in, there were way too many producers um, compared to the dispensaries, and we didn't mm-hmm. know anybody. We had just moved to Oregon a few months ago. We had spent our, those few months, you know, working our asses off in the in the facility. So Darren and myself had to go out and you know, knock on 10 doors a day and bring sample manifests out and just try to meet as many people as we could and try to open up sales avenues. And, um, you know, it got better from there, but, uh, you know, it was still the point where we had to spread everything out really far. And, um, I, I was basically spending three to four days on the road doing drops, um, and, uh, just, getting getting our weed all around the state our, our facility is down in corvallis mm-hmm. area and tangent which is about an hour and a half from portland about 75 percent of the weed that's sold on the retail level in oregon is sold in portland Whoa, um i did not know that that's, I, I pulled that statistic out of my ass 
but a, a large majority of of the of the weed that's moved in Oregon is moved through Portland. So that's where most of the people live um, in the Portland sense. metro yeah. area. Um, so uh, you know, for a while we had a long term plan of getting a distribution hub out of Portland, and we didn't know exactly what that would look like. But in the beginning of this year, um, as we transitioned from uh, harvesting one room every five weeks to two rooms every five mm-hmm. weeks. So now we've got about 140 pounds um, plus pre-rolls to sell every single month. We knew that we just we needed to have a more efficient system than that. Yeah. And um, so we took a couple different approaches. Um, one, we expanded the amount of strains that we were running. We were running like three to four strains before. Um, now we have 13 that uh, we're running consistently. Um, by doing that, we were able to take up more real estate on the shelf in the mm-hmm. stores we were working with. And we'd really solidified a lot of relationships with those stores and found the price points that were going to work for them with different strains to drive the amount of sales that we wanted to see. So we got a lot of data, you know, on different strains. And it's like, you know, yeah, that'd be great if you could just sell all your low yielding strains for the most amount of money and all your high yielding strains for the least amount of money. But like, that's not exactly how it works. You know, you have to work on what the customer wants hmm. um, and how things are going to be moving off a shelf and really craft that um, specifically to every store um, mm-hmm. and, w- and what, you know, what they and see. Their and their demographics. What and, their demographic yeah. is and, and really hear their feedback. So um, so we, we refined down a lot of the, you know, people we were working with to mm-hmm. people that, you know, we could drive more volume through and be able to service them better. Um, and then we got a, uh, we were renting some space from another wholesale facility up in Portland. So we've just got two gun safes up here and a little desk in an office. And I've got one employee up here that does all our invoicing and accounting and all of our transfer manifests and all of our customer communication as far as sending test results and letting them know when deliveries are going to show up. And then we have one of our sales reps that's been, you know, selling, He's an independent sales rep, does commission-based sales for a few different farms. Okay. Um, so he, he moves a little bit of product for us, has always kind of moved, you know, a couple pounds a month for us. He's a good guy we met. He used to work at one of the shops that we sold to. So we kind of just developed a relationship like that. Um, and uh, we reached out to him uh, to start doing some of the deliveries on a delivery fee basis. So some of the accounts that we, were, that we had in-house, now we service them through him doing deliveries, um, you know, three out of four drops. So mm. now, whereas a year ago I was spending four days on the road and most of my time in a car and interfacing with, you know, our customers, now those relationships are a lot deeper. I don't need mm-hmm. to be there every week or two doing the drop. I can have somebody do that for me um, and, you know, take care of their needs over the phone, stop in every so often to say, hey, hang out with them outside of a work setting. Um, so I've been able to move it's a my, lot easier. It's a lot easier because I've also been able to move my relationships with them to be f- less transactional and mm. more personal. So, you know, my employee justice up here, she sends all the, uh, you know, AR aging reports and asks for money when it's due, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't have to ask for money anymore and I don't have to deal with the tags on the paperwork and be a delivery person. So now my interactions are much more personal and it's, Hey, how's it going? How are things moving? You know, what's going on? You're visiting your kids in California again. That's great. Your ex is letting you do that. Awesome. Cool. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and so it's allowed me to have a deeper relationship with all my customers Mm -hmm. 
and um, have the mental capacity uh, to, you know, focus more on everything else that matters yeah. and be less stressed. I think um, in the beginning, um, I agree you guys did everything right. Um, as a grower going out there and doing your own sales, you know your product better than everyone else. Um, but there are a lot of farms that probably open up and immediately hire a, a sales team yeah. or a sales rep or a third-party distribution company. Uh, if you were to go back again, would you do it exactly the same and just have this natural Absolutely. progression? Yeah, Absolutely, because not only you know do we know our product better than – no one's going to sell our product better than us, obviously, right. you know. Um and you know we're in there we're in the garden this is our baby um so uh but beyond that i just learned so much about the retail side of things and mm -hmm. about the market and about how the, a vendor operates and that you know pulse. I, that pulse of what's going on and that understanding makes it so that I'm not an out of touch owner mm. telling my sales reps, you need to get me this price right. because this is what it says on my spreadsheet that I, you know, that I told my investors, you know, like that's not how the real world works. No. Um, so, you know, learning all of that. And I mean, Darren and myself, we hit over 300 stores, you know, so not only did we get a pulse on the market, but we like. I mean, we met everybody. We've mm -hmm. I, I could drive through Portland, like been there, been there, been there, been there. Network building. You know, that guy's an asshole. That guy's cool. You know, like, um, so you know, we really got to know the market mm -hmm. on a bigger scale than just like we're a farm and you know somebody sells our weed and like this is what we do. We grow pot. You know, like we we really got involved in, in the community and with our customers. For all of our new license holders and new growers out there, let's say in emerging markets like Oklahoma, for example, um, is that your key takeaway as far as uh, sales go, is to get out there and hit the road and, and build an organic network? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Obviously, you know, don't don't let that compromise your garden if you don't have the support you need there. Yeah. You know, you need to, you need to take care of that. But um, yeah, I would definitely recommend to any new business owner um, in a new market to actually go out there and have those interactions. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, you know, let it be somebody that you trust that shares your vision with you mm -hmm. that you're going to actually listen to, um, and, and hear their feedback and take them seriously about what yeah. they're saying is going on out there and the conversations they're having with, you know, with your customers. Yeah. And I think it goes back to starting companies, really in any industry, um, having that core team of, you know, two to four people, I think is the magic number. Yep. Um, and I forgot the exact terms, but I'm pretty sure it's, you want a hacker, you want a hustler, you want a visionary and you want a designer. So yep. I guess in the cannabis industry, the hackers kind of in the garden, the hustlers out there, you know, uh, as a road warrior, getting the sales done, visionaries helping with the brand, which really all co-founders do. And then designer making it look good, you know, yep. having that marketing interaction with your customer base. Yep, yep, that sounds about right. And yeah, we we've kind of collaborated on on all those all those things between the three of us, and mm -hmm. found which which slots we we land in. Yeah. Um, at this point, um, but yeah, and I mean, you definitely want to have yeah, you want to have people with different skill sets. And yeah, you need to be able to evolve. You need to be able to be agile. You need to be able to 
like drop your ego and hear somebody else's opinion and you know like that's really hard when you've started a company and you have an idea in your head about the way something should be um but you have to be able to listen to other people and you know take what they tell you about what they're doing and what their experience is to heart and be able to change something that you you know might have thought was you know the right idea Mm-hmm. let's talk about your can of cribs experience so overall what did you think uh, as far as us going out there filming and, and the aftermath we had a blast I mean, it was super fun we still talk to mike all the time nice um, over instagram mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean we were just you know flattered to be uh you know involved and you know considered uh, with you know a lot of the other brands you guys are working with and we were just super super stoked about the visibility it was going to give us and um, you know like I mean for me like it's really important for me to communicate all these ideas that I'm communicating to you mm. to like everybody that works at every shop that we work with but like that's yeah. not really possible to do so now I can be like, hey, like, I, you know, Just I opened up a this. new account in Bend. I'm like, <laughs> hey, like, here's this video. It's a little bit about our story, you know. So, like, you know, hit me up, like, if you guys want to come on a tour sometime. But, like, here's already a tour of our garden. Mm-hmm. Here's us talking about how we got started. Like, it's basically a giant brand training video that I yeah. can share with any of our customers or any potential future investors as we're moving into Colorado or consulting clients as we're talking to people in other states with that. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really cool to be able to do that and to share with, you know, with people, um, people in, in my life, you know, like mm-hmm. our family members and friends that, you know, um, you know, might not be super intimately aware of you know, right. what Garrett's pot grow in Oregon really is. <laughs> you know? Show them behind the scenes and yeah. it's pretty incredible. Uh, you know, we launched the episode five months ago at the date of this recording. So around May, 2020, and it uh, looks like we have 200,000 views. Uh, yeah. That's, that's incredible. We're super stoked. We've been tracking it. Dre sends a text like every week, and he's like, we're really? at 181. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyone could just go and, you know, check out the stats. I have a whole lot of fun kind of uh, in the back-end analytics. Um, I think I shared some with you guys as well. But it's it's growing fast, and... Um, it's a unique story. Um, you know, we haven't uh, filmed a grow operation um, as young as you guys are, right? I mean, you and I are around the same age. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool to tell that story of kind of the, you know, the best friends and what is it like starting a company right out of college um, and absolutely crushing it. Um, so it was really fun. Sweet, man. Yeah. We had, we had a blast. Um, and getting to go to that black back room at block 15. I mean, we love that place. So yeah. that was really cool. We dropped them off a big box of swag nice. uh, a few weeks later. Um, and yeah. Has Just anything, the, uh, like major changed, uh, since the, the episode dropped? Um, well, my, my life for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when, when the episode dropped, uh, we were mid expansion, mid hiring, all working our asses off, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, like living in the same house, Darren and I were still like living in the same house yeah. in, in Oregon and I had just moved out. Um, but yeah, I mean now, 
Dre's in Colorado, and, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's where his, like, core friends are from college, and, you know, like, he's so much happier there, you know, like, the, the, so stre- awesome. the stress of starting a business was, like, a lot on all of mm-hmm. us, it took a toll on all of us physically and mentally, and, like, you know, we've all been able to heal a lot mm-hmm. over this past, you know, six, eight months, honestly, like, even with everything with COVID being so fucking crazy, mm-hmm. like, it's just been amazing to get to just like rest a little bit and have you know the mental space to like you know not obviously never taking our eye off the ball and always you know trying to put in work and move things forward but to like maintain a normal schedule and like have vacations and not worry and like our managers are just fucking amazing um like they have taken on their their roles and you know exceeded our expectations and like you know the amount of things that i used to have to think about that just get done now and like we all noticed it was all around the same time it was like oh like what like like we would reach out to follow up and be all neurotic like did this get done or the stuff's ready for testing right like all this like and it's like yeah it's all done like mm-hmm. all the paperwork's filled out like just like the operating procedure says like it's done you know and so i mean all of us stride. yeah all of us all three of us are really just like in a completely different mental space and Mm. and chapter in our lives now where you know startup mode is over Mm -hmm. um we've got you know a really really awesome operation going a really really amazing team and um yeah we get to just focus on ourselves and and what we want to do next nice well i went through the comments on your episode um looks like there are almost 400 comments so I had to scroll all the way down to the bottom to get some golden nuggets for you. So I'm going to read a couple too, and I want your response. Are you ready? Totally. All right. So this comment comes from Gregor Holmes, and he says, Is there some rule that to grow or sell weed, you must have a man bun? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, if you check our, our HR handbook, there's no discriminatory, discriminatory policy against anybody that does not have a man bun yeah um but it is pretty funny people mistake me and our head grower a lot um <laughs> it's a pretty popular trend in this industry yeah 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 i mean you know i did just move to portland so i'll tell you that i had a man bun before it was cool <laughs> you're setting the trends out there <laughs> So uh, this next one is from uh, one of our favorite haters. Um, I've never seen a positive comment from them on any video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give them some love because that's what we do on the Canna Cribs team. Uh, username Lars Larson. It's a great name. Um, so his comment is, these idiots are growing indoors, plus plural, and producing product that looks like it was grown outdoors. What do you have to say for that? Very clever. very very clever guy um yeah i mean for one i think people can grow some pretty phenomenal outdoor um you know if they take their time with it and do it right and trim it right Mm -hmm. and all that uh but uh yeah i mean you know i i haven't gotten that feedback from any of our customers so i'll keep on doing things the way we do things yeah and i've never seen outdoor bud that looked as good as uh the garden first indoor so no i was just trying to be nice (laughs) (laughs) thank you lars larson um and then this final comment is more of a question actually from username glory to god uh why do you think they chose uh those lights over leds when leds could be more efficient um and also why not hydroponic 
since it uses less water and produces bigger yields, as far as I know. That's the uh, verbatim from glory to God. Yeah, I mean, our whole system is, you know, based on what we knew worked. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to make things work. You can grow hydro and make things work really well, and you can hit really good yields. I see some stuff on Instagram of people doing these deep water culture systems where they have these freaking monster plants, and there's just like 18 of them in a room, and they're fucking amazing. It's beautiful. That's rad. Mm -hmm. Um, For us, I love double-ended lights. They fucking kick ass. They Uh, work. You know, they work really well. The buds are dense. We hit really good yields. The color's there. The frost is there. You know, that heat from those lights increases the plants metabolism like you know i've just never seen results the way we would want to see them from leds to date Mm -hmm. um and leds are massively expensive startup costs you know those gavitas were 300 dollars a piece ballast hood and bulb to get started you know if we wanted to if we wanted to put black dogs in there instead it would have been 2300 you know Mm. we would have spent a quarter million dollars more on lighting um which was you know like not an option um, so for cash strapped cooperations that are starting super lean, uh, the upfront expenses of LEDs, uh, might not be worth it, but if they, you're they maybe a little not. bit of a larger budget, I mean, that's what I think. I think what LEDs are really good for is like really large scale, fully, fully automated operations. You know, okay. like if you can just like, if you can hit your economies of scale with like everything else to where like mm-hmm. you're tiered up you know, racks with those LEDs, you know, and they're just like, bam, 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 bam. And you're not worried that mm-hmm. you're only hitting a pound and a quarter per light, you know, because like the, your per light expense is not, it's not what you're worried about. You know, like you don't have to pay for cooling and you're running a in-house salts line that's dirt cheap and you're not really doing a lot of plant work or pruning. And like, you know, it's super minimal input on a lot of other levels. Then right. you can get the most out of that minimal input from the LED. But for us, we do a lot of inputs with the lights and a lot of inputs with the AC. We match that with a lot of labor inputs and a lot of CO2 inputs and um, and get everything to maximize everything per square foot so that, you know, um, so that we can hit the yields we hit. And as far as not doing hydroponics, I mean, Pete, Perlite's just really forgiving. You know, <clears throat> you, you, can, you can kill a garden with hydroponics pretty quick in, you know, like your auto ph gets thrown off or something mm-hmm. goes on like you know we're just too small to be able to afford that you know right. we, we needed that cushion and uh i mean it works great you know yeah it's super porous and the roots grow fast plants are happy so good so let's go back all the way in time to when we are initially talking about um doing an episode at your facility what what were you most excited to show off that we went out and filmed? Um, what was I most excited to show off? I mean, I think our whole setup is just really clean. Yeah. Like that's kind of our whole brand image we're going for too. Like you see our logo, it's like it's just like black and white. It's a seedling. It's like bolded, easy to read font. You know, our facility is very organized and clean and basic and straightforward and straight to the point. And that's mm-hmm. what we wanted to be able to communicate. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were just excited to show off, like, how freaking straight the lights were hung and, you know, how, like, even and symmetrical each table's canopy was and how, you know, like, 
like how many fucking nodes are on those plants you know right. like how we can shove 10 pounds of finished dry weed in a mm. 32 square foot space you know like it's awesome um and uh yeah i mean a year year and a half before that like we were just looking at a video video of it the other day dre sends out his uh his um memories that snapchat uh, oh, gives okay. him all the time and he took a, a video tour of our facility w- before we built it out. And it was mm-hmm. completely empty and in shambles and cracks wow. in the floor and all this. And like, yeah. Before so like, and after, man. Yeah, we were just stoked to be like, hey, look what like we literally created everything mm-hmm. here. You know, like every micro detail. Like we this was nothing when we got here. Um, so, yeah. And I'm curious. I know that you said that you're leading an expansion into Colorado um, are there any other projects or genetics that uh, you're running right now that you're eager to share with the world? Um, yeah, so um, beyond uh, Colorado, um, we are hoping to breach into uh, potentially Montana's market over these next few years. Whoa, okay. Um, they're voting on recreational this fall, um, and we've got, uh, you know, again, we're just kind of trying to to you know, do these things where it makes sense. We've got a network of people there that we're really close with that have worked mm-hmm. in the industry for several years. So, um, you know, just natural progressions. As far as strains go, um, we just really expanded our strain, you know, profiles. Um, you know, we were growing five before we got 13. That'll wow. be consistent 13 in constant production going into the next year. Um, we got the original cut of headband, which we're really excited about. Um, was that direct from breeder or where'd you guys switch No, it was, uh, it was from the same folks, you know, you know, um, just friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, we are running, uh, this, uh, strain called orange bubble gum, super unique. Hmm. Um, and we got, uh, really, really beautiful new cut of grease monkey. Uh, we tried growing grease monkey last year. Um, just not that pretty. Yeah, uh, new cut we got. It's gorgeous. Uh, we got a motor breath that's like smells like cat piss and old people's homes. It's, it's, <laughs> gro- it's gross. It's disgusting. It's awesome. Um, that's so fun. yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, we're just really excited to have a bunch more stuff, and then we're still sticking with all the staples. Um, mm. Really trying to run like a brewery model. So yeah. you know, we're, we're we're just gonna grow the chisel and the golden goat and the strawberry cough. Mm-hmm. We're always, always gonna have that. Get your go to IPA and always, always, always. And then those other strains, a little bit of this here, 10, 15 pounds, not gonna be Mm -hmm. around for another three months, you know, and just like Mm -hmm. drop that shit, you know, throughout, create a little bit of hype, have some Mm -hmm. more fun with it. Um, And it's gonna be the same exact variety in Colorado and potentially Montana. Are you guys shaking it up a bit? Um, I imagine we will transfer some stuff over to get started. all you know we'll have access to a lot more genetics in colorado um but yeah. we'll definitely be you know those staple strains we'll be trying to run in every single state you know yeah uh we've kind of become a little famous for our golden goat out here um, nice to the point where like people will be like oh yeah garden first i've heard you guys you guys grow that golden goat right and it's like yeah like we grow other stuff too you know <laughs> but um but yeah i mean you know i i think that there's there's a lot to be said there mm-hmm. with uh, just, you know, having something, doing it really well and doing it really consistently and not necessarily always needing to be on the forefront with like hot new shit. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a place for that. 
Um, you know, people people love their exotics and their new sh new new. But you know, for us, we just we just want to grow some stuff that people like and do it do it consistently. Good. That's a really good philosophy, and um, I'm actually curious. So when we launched the episode, we had a uh, editing error, and I'm not sure if any of the fans noticed, but we actually swapped out your name with or switched your name with Darren. Has that led to any confusion or? Anything since we launched? Well, people constantly confuse myself and Darren. Our names, I guess, sound similar enough when we introduce <laughs> ourselves together. Um, but uh, no, no one's, no one's, uh, no one's mistaken us since then. Other than, other than our, our, uh, you know, our names already sounding alike. Mm -hmm. you know, seems like the three of us were the only ones that uh, that actually saw it. Apparently, you guys hadn't saw it. See, so, that know. one slipped past. You did us. your best we to really... make me sound not like a douchebag, but you got my name wrong. So really, if I did sound like an asshole, Darren sounded Darren. like an asshole, anyways. So, <laughs> what about uh, has anyone come up to you since airing? Be like, hey, do I know you from somewhere? Yeah, I actually ran into a guy. Um, a friend of mine was like playing uh, playing a DJ set on the beach mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, and there was just uh, a couple of us over there and. Was talking to this guy around the campfire and we were just like picking guitar and he was like are you in a band i feel like i've seen you before and i was like no i'm not in a band like i i grow weed um and he was like oh i think i saw you on that uh on that youtube video um he was like he nice. worked for uh, another grow um in uh, like the malala area so that was pretty cool um that uh you know it's the video spreading that far. yeah i can't wait to yeah, see yeah imagine i mean once we start going to trade shows again i don't know when that's going to happen but if you're in a can of cribs or a deep roots episode and you walk around a trade show people are going to recognize you i can't wait to start signing autographs man <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah get ready for a lot of people saying hey man can you try this i, I really want to get your opinion if they haven't already yeah yeah we uh we definitely get uh get plenty of emails of uh, you should try this product in your garden have you heard about this for business growth yeah um, but uh yeah I, i'm excited for trade shows to happen again that was one of the big things we were we were going to be trying to do a lot of this year we actually had mm -hmm. one of our employees like we were like you know grooming her to do vendor events and um trade shows and all this and then mm -hmm covid happened and she's stuck trimming weed and doing pre-rolls because yeah. you know there's just i hear no, that no no one no human interaction going on anymore so well launching this podcast episode we'll definitely get some people um in there commenting and you can interact with your fans and, and other uh you know businesses in in the industry through there yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I, I really appreciate you joining me today. Is there anything that we miss? Is there anything that you want to share with the world that uh, maybe we didn't cover today? Um, well, I mean, you know, I'd love to check in again sometime next year. Uh, you know, this this past year we kind of spent a lot, you know, doing what I was telling you about with just like mm -hmm. really focusing on building our team and getting the three of ours lives to a little more uh, happy Stabilize. happy medium. Um, <laughs> but uh, over this next year, you know, along with Looking into this Colorado operation and other operations in other states, we're really looking at uh, hopefully expanding our footprint here mm -hmm. uh, with more lights. And whether or not we do that or not, we're really looking to um, 
move our company forward as far as what we do for our community. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're to a point of profitability now we're to a point of stability now. So, um, we're looking into a lot of different opportunities from becoming a B Corp to being a 1% for the planet. Um, we're currently, I've got another call after this with, uh, uh, organization called One Tree Planted um, that we're going to figure out some kind of percentage of profits from our pre-roll sales to go towards reforesting Oregon's forest after you know these fires that happened um, right. this summer and um, yeah we're just trying to you know incorporate that into our culture um, we're, we're offering you know our our employees uh, a certain amount of paid hours per quarter that they can go do volunteer work and still get paid for. Um, wow. So we're really trying to like take take things to the next level with how not only our company but our industry is like viewed um, as a member of the community and like yeah. you know how how cannabis can be used to you know Heal impact the world. the world and make the world a better place exactly yeah so that's amazing well I'm so proud of you guys and um, I'm not surprised by all this expansion you guys are definitely on your grind dialed in uh, we will most definitely catch up um, whenever you guys want six months a year from now I'd love to go film uh, that Colorado operation Montana that'd be pretty cool as well uh, but thank you so much for joining me today sweet appreciate you guys have a good one Nick thanks for joining us today on the Canna Cribs podcast I had a blast catching up with Garrett if you like this show you're probably going to like Canna Cribs and Deep Roots our two other shows on our YouTube channel you can check us out on Instagram where you can stay up to date with everything that we're working on every day. And a huge shout out to Tate and his team at KetoLifeSupply.com for making this episode possible. See you on the next one.